Independently for Excellence with your host, Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor. Do you sometimes feel that nobody understands what you are going through and that others do not share your personal struggles? You may be surprised. Today, you will listen and learn from the stories and our testimonies on the program. Now, here is your host, Victoriously Speaking. where we aim to live independently for excellence, sponsored by Hearts to Nourish Hope. Um, We have a different guest today that is also a brother of mine from Gary, Indiana, um, and his name is Brandon Bowens. Brandon, are you there? I'm here. Great. I'm so glad that you got a chance to join us. Would you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your time in the service, and what you do now? Okay. uh, I was in the Navy. Uh, I was in the first Gulf ooh, War. Ooh, ooh. Desert I'm sorry. Storm, <laughs> um, Desert Shield. Hello? Okay, I'm not sure what happened. So, I'm going to move forward with kind of the things that um, from last show. Um, I was listening to the show from last week, and I thought about a lot of things. Um, the main thing that came to mind was emotions and growing pains. Emotions and growing uh, I'm pains. I'm back on. Okay. You, you there? Yeah, yeah. You know, you you hung me up. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so I, Sometimes those things happen. They, they, that's probably because you was in the Navy. They didn't want to hear your story, but I'm just playing. <laughs> we just got to go ahead and finish, though. You said you was in the Navy and Desert Storm and what else? And uh, currently, um, I work in the film industry, currently. Major productions, everything from Captain American Civil War to productions of... Uh, Empire to Exorcist to various projects, and I'm currently uh, directing my own um, TV show that will be on Amazon sometime um, this year. Mm-hmm. And I directed a documentary about our hometown, Gary, Indiana. If you like right, history and documentaries, mm-hmm. and that's currently also um, streaming on Amazon. Currently, it's called The Story Within the Story, Gary, Indiana, on Amazon. So mm-hmm. that's most of it in a nutshell. Got any questions about? Well, I want to let me I'm going to talk a little bit about from last week and kind of go into. But I guess since you wasn't here last week, do you want to share like what your experiences was when you went through basic and when you um, got in and, you know, how maybe things wasn't or wasn't like what you expected? Well, then I was an RTC um we had we had boot camp in RTC that we went to in the summertime, so I wasn't totally in, in the dark, you know. Um, so um, and I, you know, and then coming from the area we came from, I was battle ready for most of the stuff, you know. Already mentally strong, so I wasn't really shaking as some other guys that I saw that were shaking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I said, I was kind of shocked too, you know, when we was at war and we, we was told that we probably, some of us weren't going to live. That really didn't have me shaking either for some reason, you know. I mean, I guess because, I guess, you know, like I said, come from where we come from, seeing so much so young that that wasn't like it was just something else that was going on. So, you know, but fast forward, those things affect you later 
compounded with those things as well, you know. Right, right. And that's kind of why I'm doing the show. We're going to talk a little bit more next week, especially with, like, the PTSD. That's what that show was about. But so last week when I was listening again to the show and I thought about emotions and growing pains, and I was thinking, you know, a lot of people join the military as a means of survival. And, you know, so many people come from all types of backgrounds. You've heard a lot of common themes amongst me and um, LaShawn and Micah last week. And I wanted to point out some of the psychological things, uh, especially to get ready for next week's show as far as PTSD. Because a lot of people join the military before their brains are even fully developed. Because you're not, you know, you're 24, 25 years old when your brain actually develops fully. And um, then you end up, you know, being subjected to a form of training and lifestyle that somewhat imposes beliefs on some people. Not everybody, but there are these things that happens, you know. And because my show is about beliefs, um, and I believe that beliefs drive us from day to day because it causes us to react and act. So you have a lot, a lot of young people in a strategic playing field where you're being used to accomplish missions that may or may not be true, you know, based on the needs of the military. But what happens a lot of times, your needs are not being met. And so a prime example of this is when I was in Bosnia and we were run out of physical hygiene products. So we actually had to write home to families and people to send us soap and deodorant. And I thought this is crazy because being that I was admin uh, and Brandon, you know this, uh, they wasted a lot of money on things that had absolutely no moral value. You know, what I mean, despite the, you know, that we were taught to have so many values, right? That's why we were in the military. But then you would see these things that would happen and you'd be like, well, dang, you know, do y'all even care about us? You know, <laughs> well, those are my experiences. I don't know. Was that just an Army thing? Yeah, that was an Army thing. Now, what we did have when we was at war, we was on, uh, at one time, it was, uh, what they call that? Well, anyway, we only uh, take showers at a certain time and it was like a real short shower and Drinking water was was limited for a certain period of time during the war. So that was kind of like crazy. That was like, wow, it really is going down. You know, that was something different, you know. Right, right. That you only yeah. get water during a certain time. If you ain't got nothing put up somewhere, there's no more water until tomorrow, <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I heard a lot of stories about the wars. Like, I didn't get a chance to really go to war you know, uh, it was, it was, you know, I did peacekeeping missions. I got a chance to go to several countries for different things because I was admin and I experienced some stuff, but not, you know, most of the things that I seen was because people had, you know, we, we were in Bosnia, they had everything, the engineers went in, they taped everything off, but some idiot still went where they wasn't supposed to go, and they got, like, part of their legs blown off, because I was attached to a hospital, so it was, it was really crazy, you know, things like that, but I think, I think that, the, the thing that got me the most was just the fact that it just seems like sometimes they wasn't always prepared for us to be in these situations and it just didn't make sense to me I don't know maybe it's just me but um <laughs> and then I think about family and the fact that you have a lot of people that join the military looking for love in all the wrong places 
So you have what we used to call in the army military marriages for like that BHA money. Um, you had ones who went into the military looking for someone to take care of them because I had a lot of females that I met, you know, being admin and everybody would come through and they would always say, well, I just joined the, you know, I just joined the army cause I'm looking for a husband. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially the ones who had kids and stuff. It's like, they want somebody to take care of them and they kids so that they didn't have to do nothing. And as soon as they got that man, they was you know, getting out, you know what I mean? And then it was some guys that did the same thing. Did you ever see anything like that? Yeah, we used to call them, well, it was two forms. Being that we traveled across the, the waters a lot, we used to call, call them um, Westpac Widows. Because a lot of times we come back from deployment, long time uh, guys come back and their, their wives uh, moved on, spent all their money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. a lot of or, that. Or the, or the flip side, the guy, he, he fell in love with some girl overseas. So now he's trying right. to figure out how to get divorced and move her to the state. So, you know, he had both sides of the, of the coin with that, you uh-huh. know. But a lot of guys came back from the war, sending all their money home, and mm-hmm. they get back, the wife's gone, or she just spent all the money and, and got a sob story. So you've seen all kind of crazy situations, but it all fell apart because of finances. Because if I send you all my money for... 18 months and I come home, my money gone, we right. got problems, you know? <laughs> right. And, and then you talk about that tax-free money, too? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That's, that's some nice checks, you know? I, I remember coming back from deployments and like, man, I couldn't wait to get back to the rear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a yeah. lot of that. A lot of that. And, I, you know, even with me being admin, because I had to process a lot of stuff and um, I was always like right there, you know, I knew everything um, and always had to hear both sides of the story. And when I, I used to work for the post and signal star major at Fort Gordon and, um, you know, when people got in trouble or um, you would have all these women calling talking about how their husbands wasn't paying child support. And I mean, just so many different stories. And that kind of takes me back to like just the psychological thing. So if we look at the long-term effects, you know, the deployments with the work hard, play hard mentality, you got um, a whole lot of what I used to call sex capades. You had a bunch of swinging, cheating, um, substance abuse to escape a lot of the emotional confusion. Um, And a lot of times this stuff did lead to violence because like you said, you got, you know, you, you don't send all your money home. And then you it, look. I've had situations where I seen people came home and the wives had a whole nother man in the house with their kids in in his clothes, you know, <laughs> spending his money. And so yeah, you gonna have some violence. You gonna have you know divorce. And then it also what people don't really understand is that it affects you mentally. And then you wonder like people who go you know been in that long. And they come out, yeah, you're going to have some problems because not only did you have emotional problems from family situations, you had emotional problems from what you seen when you went to war. And then you got, like, um, the wives, um, husbands left at home alone, children to raise lack of emotional stability, really, you know, because they got married so young, a lot of them, um, not really able to understand how to have a stable household. Or, or or deal with the things that happens with people in the military. And it's crazy because I think I read an article where there was like 
2.7 million people in the military and this was probably like back in 2011 i think they downsized a little bit since then but you got millions of people that were and still affected by emotions and growing pains just based on like the foundations of their upbringing you know and then it's manipulated for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with their individual um emotional and spiritual growth and in the midst of all of that, you had all these children in the middle that was left with perceptions that shaped their belief system. And some good, some bad. It just depends on how well they adapted. And I think you made a good point, Brandon, about, you know, coming from Gary, you know, and we we were exposed to a lot of stuff growing up. So a lot of stuff didn't really shake us, probably like it would shake somebody else who maybe grew up in a sheltered type environment. But at the same time, you really just added um, trauma on top of trauma because we, I think we became numb to a lot of stuff back home. Would you agree? I would agree. In what way? Um, to me, it's like, I would say, <laughs> probably had PTSD before I even had PTSD. I mean, some form of it. They saw experiences that weren't normal that seemed normal because of the environment, you know? Right. So how do you think that affected us when we went into the military, though? When you think about, you got all these people, and a lot of us had a lot of different emotional things already. Some of us were stronger than others, but you, I know you've seen some people that just didn't make it, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just, like, yeah, I mean, how do you I mean, think that? I mean, but in that era, you know, you was viewed as being, you know, mm-hmm. at, at that time, definitely a man was trained to be able to, to handle it, and if you couldn't handle it, you don't show no weak emotions in front of other men, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward to today, you know, that's, that's called something. They call it something. But back then, he was trained as a man not to show weakness in front of other men. Right. But do you think, oh. do you think that, I don't know, you know, it's funny you said that because, like, in in the prisons, when I first started working in the prisons, I started noticing similarities of a lot of the guys that's in the prison with a lot of the soldiers that I work with, right? Because of that thing called PTSD. And, um, but that's a big, you know, like you can't show weakness, you know, as men. Um, but it looks different in everybody, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you can tell, you can tell when somebody is, really holding firm or when they really can be broken. And then when you can be broken, you get moved on. I mean, that's just like, that just was survival. To me, that was taught back in grade school because in those times, if you was weak, somebody was taking your lunch money. So you <laughs> learned back then, you had to fight for yourself, stand up for yourself, and be accounted for. So you learned that from grade school going up. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get that, the time you got to adulthood and went to the military, you was lost because, you know, those things were exposed. Because it was times that was hard, very hard, you know, that some people went broke down and couldn't make it. Right. Yeah, you know, I like, saw a lot of that. Like, like, like in today's time, this probably would be, it's probably taken out the military. You got in trouble in the Navy, they had this thing called marching party and we had to march from camp to this site with the seals and we worked out for like an hour straight with a rifle 
nonstop. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure today it's probably taken down. It's probably called abuse today. But <laughs> some people couldn't handle that. You know, you had to march over and work out with a rifle, push-ups, jumping jacks, everything with this rifle for an hour. And then march mm-hmm. back to camp with your, with your weapon. Yeah, they. I mean, they did a lot of stuff back then when we were in that they don't do now because, I don't know, they had these things called stress cards now. I don't know what that's about, but um, we got a couple minutes to break. But, I, you know, these were the things that came to mind when I thought more about my experiences. And I didn't get a chance to kind of tell my story about why I got out last time. But I got out because um, I injured myself when I first went into uh, AIT, which is the advanced training after you go through basic. And it got worse. And so they told me I was no longer able to do um, physical training. And the rest was history. And I was a little upset about that. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we get ready to come back from the uh, next break because we're going to talk a little bit more about transitioning. So um, with that in mind, just hold on a minute, Brandon, and y'all will be right back. Thanks for listening to Life Radio. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Reconciliation Movement is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the ReconciliationMovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of HEART's programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Today it seems everywhere I go trouble's chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to info at thereconciliationmovement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to Life Radio. And we were talking a little bit about some of the emotions and growing pains in the military um, before we left. And I left with um, why... um, or when I got out, basically, because I had a hip injury. And it, it kind of upset me because um, I had learned when I was uh, getting out that if people who contracted HIV while they were in the service, you could choose whether or not you stayed in or not. But the thing about it was you could only be stationed near military, like the major military hospitals. So they were more than likely not to be able to work in their field. So they just gave them jobs. And I, and for me, here I am, I'm admin. And like, yeah, okay, my hip was messed up. I couldn't do the physical training test anymore, but I could still do my job, you know? And I'm thinking, man, that just seems so unfair because I felt like I was a good soldier. You know, like I felt really slighted um, despite, you know, like I said last week, they used to call me sister soldier or my sister soldier attitude, but I worked hard. I did what I was supposed to do. And like Micah said, when he was here last week, you know, I was taking advantage of everything they had to give me. So I stayed in college, you know, learning because of that free tuition. And, you know, it really bothered me for a long time. And I think, because I wasn't really ready to get out. Like I always saw myself being a drill sergeant. I wanted to piss people off with my voice. I don't, and that may sound a little crazy, but I just, I wanted to wear that hat and I, <laughs> I wanted to be able to do all that yelling and stuff. But anyway, it just wasn't for me. So I don't know. How, tell me, how did you get out, Brandon? What happened when you got out? Uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted my life back, my, you know, being from my own life. So, um, I turned down a bonus. I had a bonus of twenty five thousand to stay in. But mm-hmm. I turned that down and and got out. I just um like I said, I owned my life back, you know. It was just the part that made me mad anything was um it was too much control going on and then if your current uh, officer of the day, if he had an attitude, he could make your life a living hell because he had duty for the day, so he make your life a living hell. We just a whole lot of game plan, you know? Mm-hmm. So, if I would have decided to go overseas, which it was a whole different military once you overseas, I probably would have stayed in, but I didn't want to be that far from my family, you know, being way across, you know, across the waters because I was there before, and my during that time, my grandmother died, so I missed that because I was too far away, you know? Mm-hmm. Back then, trying to come back home, it wasn't many planes flying back to the States like it is now going back and forth out the country, you know? Right. So you, you got a helo to, to this location, fly here to fly there to fly back. It takes you almost a week just to get back. Right. So I didn't want to be in that situation, so I got out. And yeah. then uh, the crazy part was I got hurt while I was in there, but they, they didn't. They didn't uh, take care of me right before I got out because they should have sent me to the base and left me on base until I got raided before I, I got out. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. They told me, oh, don't worry about it. Um, they'll take care of you once you get back to um, Chicago. But that was a lie. Uh, right. 
You know, I supposed to fade in, been on base, it just took them six months till they got me correctly rated and then discharged. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but back then, the information is not flowing like it is right now, you know? Okay. Was you able to get that taken care of, though? Uh, it took it took some years. A lot okay. of years. Yeah. That's the sad I mean, part cause, about it. Because initially, I got frustrated. I'm like, forget it. I don't need it. You know, I ain't going to go on that. But then my godfather, who was in Vietnam, he told me, better go get your money, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, that's yours. So then I started the process again. And, you know, like I said, it took a while, some years here. And then, um, mm-hmm. I, I finally got it. What's crazy was I got rated for something else before I got my initial injury, what I got hurt for in the military. <laughs> oh, believe me. I know all about that. You know, cause like I said, I, I hurt myself really like right after, um, basic training and they gave me, you know, I don't know if in the Navy we had a uh, permanent profiles and it was crazy because I remember going to my first duty station. I was in Yuma Proving Grounds, Arizona, and the, the, my hip started acting up again. So they sent me to Fort Huachuca and they did x-rays and I, I, I went back to Yuma with what they call a P3 profile and I remember my sergeant major saying, well, how did you get a P3 profile off the rip and you didn't break nothing? And I was like, I don't know, because they keep telling me I had, you know, tendonitis. I mean, they was telling me all kind of stuff for years. And that kind of leads me into, you know, what happened when we got out. Because like I just said, I was already disgruntled. So they, you know, they rated me like 10%. The military, the army did or whatever. And then when I went, and to the VA, they gave me like an extra 10% for something else. You know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm coming to y'all about my hip because it's still messed up. I mean, because it stopped a lot of, to me, my livelihood. You know, I'm in my 20s. I was always a dancer and it stopped a lot of that. I tried to skate, fell, ended up in the hospital because of that. You know, so it was all these various things that I felt like the hip took a lot from me. And so when I got out, it was really hard you know what I mean in in, in that because it's, I just felt like they they wouldn't help me um you know all, they conveniently lost my x-rays when um we were looking for the initial ones and, and trying to do the right the rate the first rating and you know nobody can give me answers and then I didn't really have the money to go to a civilian you know a doctor outside of them so I was just left with what they were telling me and, you know, that went on for years. And the only thing it did was get worse and worse. And that played a big role in, you know, even my transitioning back as a civilian because for me, it was easy. When I got out of the military, I, I, I still worked on posts. I ended up being a civilian contractor. And I just went like three or four floors down from where I was from. And so it wasn't that big of a transition for me. It was just the medical stuff that I dealt with. And um, the, the the things was that the medication they gave me ended up giving me an ulcer. Like, I, it was just one thing after another. And so it was taking a lot of me, you know, at a young age because I, I felt like I shouldn't have been going through all that. And then y'all don't even want to help me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I, 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 I found an article about how and why military um, basic training 
it talks about brainwashing recruits. And I did that last uh, last week. It was by somebody called thewisesloth.com. And it just talked about indoctrination as far as mindset and things like that. And it was so funny to me. I thought about, because remember I said I wasn't really, I don't think nobody was really patriotic. We all were just trying to survive, you know, getting out of Gary and all those things or wherever you're from. And I remember going to watch this movie. <laughs> I think it was White House Down. It was one of those movies where they took over the White House. And I'm in the movie theater with my family. And for some reason, I was so emotional. And I couldn't understand why. Like, I'm sitting here just watching the movie. So when they took over the White House, and I'm tripping. Like, something is really being stirred up inside of me. And I couldn't understand it. And my family looking at me like I'm crazy. Because they're like, what's wrong with you? You know? And I, I think about when I read that article about the whole brainwashing or the indoctrination. I'm like, man, did they really do something to me? Because I'm, I'm not that patriotic. Now, I love my country to a certain extent because this is where I was born and raised. But why am I crying over a movie? Because the White House gets... I mean, I don't know. You ever see, like, felt anything like that or know anybody that kind of still is very, like, just die hard about stuff? Well, I, I had to have to be... Um on a movie, um, the one with the guy who got killed was the military, and he was he got out. The one who was doing all the kills in Iraq, okay. and and when he got out, he was um, training people how to shoot firearms, you know, for his therapy. And the, and the mm -hmm. guy killed him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name yeah, of I it. Can't, me either, but yeah, but yeah, but that movie uh, when I went saw that, that messed me up in the theater. I, I had one of those emotional breakdowns in there on that movie for some, for some reason. So it, it was something somewhere from over there that triggered watching that movie. <laughs> You're right. It's like no matter what. Because it's just like like here in Georgia, um, like Veterans Day, you know, people get to eat free. And sometimes I would go because like uh, some of those restaurants would go, you know, have these things. And you would just go in there by yourself and everybody shared all these stories. And it's like it's something different when you get a bunch of military people together. You know, especially after you get out. And um, some of the things that I think about is because of how they trained us. I mean, it's got to be because it's like, you know, you got to look after your buddy. And, you know, you think about a lot of the friendships that were made or the things that you went through together. You you create a mind like no other with some people. Because I still got I got two friends to this day that we're still extremely close, you know, after 20 some years for that reason. You know what I mean? And I think all of right. that has a lot to do with how we were trained. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then there's the bonds and back then there wasn't no emails and all that. It was it was write a letter. It might take you a month to get a response and, you know, you was with your, your peers and y'all was really communicating and bonding and sharing stories. You know, it was more, you know, it was more real than it is like today. Like today, if I went in, I could do 20 years that's sitting on my head. You know, they got too much technology. You know, when we was in there, right. it was right. VHS tapes, you know, call home when you, maybe when you get, get somewhere else, but it costs so much, you weren't trying to call home that much because it was expensive to call home. Now they can Skype from the computer, they can FaceTime, and all mm -hmm. for free, basically, you know? But you know, the funny part about that is, if I talk to people that, you know, been in the military a while now, the younger people... Like, I hear they can't cope, but they got more than we had. Oh, no, I agree. I'm saying they from a softer era. I'm saying our era today would have been probably 30 years on my head. But the kids today, <laughs> they 
are different from, from birth, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the average kid now don't walk to school at all, you know? School yeah. clothes when it's rain too hard, too much snow. We, we walk in five inches of snow to, to school and back. Right. <laughs> you know? Because the, heat, the so, heater didn't work on the bus, so it was, just, it was harder just to go ahead and walk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we all right. lived on different corners and just kept walking and kept walking and and that, you know, and so we grew up a little more stronger than these kids, you know, well, a lot stronger. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And so then I got another article from this, uh, the Pew PEW Research Center, uh, the Pew Social Trends. And it talked about factors that make readjustment harder um, when you get out of the military. And one of course, it's serious injuries. And we kind of talked about that. But, you know, you have those that were more serious because people who were losing, you know, limbs and all types of things. Um, the second thing it says is exposure to emotionally traumatic events, which is very true. And then, it, and I thought this was interesting. I could understand the marriage and children. That's the other one. But then it talked about the different service errors. And that's what we're talking about. Because you had different wars, like depending on when you were in the military, it made readjustment harder. So, you know, especially we all talk about those that was, you know, Vietnam, you know, uh, they have a really hard time. And then, you know, even with some of the conflicts that we had that was over in Saudi and things like that, all of them were different. You know, and I know people who served like four or five tours in different areas, depending upon what they did. But it's crazy. Like I hear that they even look at, you know, how they rate you based off of um, what what war you was in or what conflict. Or if you didn't have a conflict, then, okay, well, there's no way you can have PTSD. But like we just said, oh, you're going to have it just from coming home sometime, you know? So I, it's, I just thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they got it easy, too, because, one, now information is more available, and now the country is more making them address veterans, you know. Over the time, like Vietnam veterans, they come home, mm-hmm. they couldn't even get a job, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I got out, I had a government job immediately, you know. Right, right. So, That's what I'm saying. It was easy for me. I would, and then I left from doing federal contracting and worked for the state, you know. And so it, it was really easy. But it's not like that now, I don't think. It seems, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people when it comes to how jobs you know it's like everybody's competing and that kind of goes into what it was saying um you know like your education levels and things like that because you got people that really you know they went in the military right at the high school and they never did anything else you know they just went to they just went to the military didn't take any college courses didn't do anything then they get out and now they're having a hard time you know, oh, right, so. because cause they, they're not, definitely if you was in the Marine or, or Army, if you didn't take any courses, you're not pretty much prepared for no job besides being a cop, for real, you know. I, I'm trying to figure out, what are you talking about, though? What do you mean? What do you mean by the Army? Well, 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 no, 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 I said Army or Marines, because in the Navy, pretty much all those jobs are, if you do every day, are the same jobs out here in the real world. Okay, you, know, you don't think the other branches had those jobs too? No, they have some of those, but a lot of times they still put y'all back on the back on the line. 
You might that might be your job, but today you're gonna pick that rifle up because we out here <laughs> in combat. In the Navy, if that's your job, that's your job. Unless huh. unless something drastically happens, but that's your job. If you if you doing payroll, you doing payroll. If you if you the if you doing sonar, you doing sonar. You know that's what you are doing. Hmm. My friend from the Army RTC, I we trained. I don't know how I work with active duty because I didn't go active, but. Mm-hmm. They told us that you might be doing this specialty, but your first responsibility is you're a soldier. Well, that's what we're taught. Yeah, we are taught that. But I think it was so, different for women, too, though. It's different for women because women don't really, well, back then, you didn't really have women in combat or nothing like that. We'd be in the rear, you know, in, in what they call the talk or something because I was admin or if you're medical or something like that, but... I mean, I think right. it's different for women than it is men. I've never really, I don't remember really seeing anything like that. I mean, it could be possible in, in those infantry units and stuff like that, but we had a lot of technical jobs and stuff, too. You well, know, no, well, it I just mean, depends on what you I'm, did. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying for, of course, it's always some, I'm saying, but for the overall perspective, majority of the people that's coming out was soldiers. Well, yeah, you you always going to be a soldier. Well, but, but I'm saying, but that's their skill set, most of them. I see, okay, I kind of see what you mean, but uh, we're going to go ahead and take this next <laughs> break. And cool. then I'm going to come back and talk about that a little bit more because um, I'm trying to understand a little bit. I don't know. But uh, just hold on tight, and we're going to go ahead and take this break, and we'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Reconciliation Movement is a non-profit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of HEART's programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. 
the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Today it seems everywhere I go trouble's chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at reconciliationmovement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking. All right. Thank you. Welcome back. Getting in on this last segment. Brandon almost got it because he was talking about the Army, but... Uh, we cleared it up during break. <laughs> so I want to uh, give a special shout out. I see a lot of folks on Facebook hollering at me. Um, Amani, Damien, Rafer, so a lot of folks. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to get to this last point today, which is the factors that improve the chances of an easy reentry. So one of the things, now some of this is like, yeah, okay. One of them I didn't really understand. The first one, it talked about rank that if you were enlisted, it probably was harder. And I think that goes back to what we were saying about, you know, if you just went in right as a high school and you never went to college or anything like that, you really didn't prepare yourself because you just in the military having a good time, just living your life, the military lifestyle, and then you get out and you realize I, I wasn't prepared to get out. And they were saying that the in this uh, the Pew research that, if you were officers because you were pretty much more equipped to deal with getting out. Would you agree with that? I wish I had LaShawn here. Uh, I mean, it depends on the person, but being an officer, I mean, that means you had a degree already. And back then, degrees wasn't common like today. Right now, a degree is like a high school diploma. Everybody got one. But back then, right. folks went to work. Military or college, it was all batted up. Now, a degree is almost like, like I said, a diploma. I mean, a BA anyway. <laughs> right. So, so back then, that was an advantage. You got out with a degree, you had a great job lined up for you because there wasn't many people competing with that kind of backing on a resume, you know? But I think, too, even with officers, I guess, well... I don't know, maybe once you reach captain or something. I don't know, but it just seemed to me there was more of a camaraderie between them as far, especially when they came out. I watched, and you know, because I used to do a lot of the uh, transitions um, as far as the paperwork. And you would always see, you know, I talked to them, and if they would say, you know, it was a whole different story when you talked to officers than when you spoke with enlisted. Unless you were like a, a first sergeant or a command sergeant major, you know, because I know like our sergeant major when I was in Augusta, he um, was offered all kind of jobs just because of who he was in the military. But if you like just getting out, you was an E5, E6, E7, mate, possibly, it may look a little different. So I could see how rank structures, up, you know, especially if you build certain types of alliances where you were, if you get out in the same place. And then, like, if you go back home, that makes a difference, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all about alliances and connections. I mean, that's how it's been going since day one, you know. But like I said, well, back then, though, that, along with the, the degree, that pushed you, put you way ahead of the curve, you know. Yeah, and that was one of the other factors was the education level. But they talked about rank. 
education level. And then one of the things it said, which I thought was interesting, it said that how well the mission was understood. And I wonder is that like I didn't really get it because I, I read it, but I was like, well, what they mean? How well the mission was understood? Like how how well when you got out that you understood that what you did in the military is what you did in the military, but now you know you have to do something different. I don't know what that meant. I mean, if you hear that, what do you think? How well the mission was understood? How is that a factor? Well, I mean, back then those guys who was in forever, and that's all they knew. It was hard for them to readjust, but they've been in this life, you know, this structured life, or so, and to get out of that back to something that they haven't seen in 20-plus years, back then, uh, that was a big difference, you know? Big yeah. difference. It was a culture shock. I think guys get out and get back in because they couldn't adjust to living in, you know, in the real world. Yeah, like, what does that mean exactly, though? Because, I mean, I think, I know what you're saying, because I got out in the South, and it was a little different for me. You know, I mean, it was a culture shock, you know, especially when I went to work for the state. And and part of that was because I, I guess I can kind of see that now, the mission. You know, when we're in the military, we're taught the mission comes first, you know, and you get out and you go into a civilian sector and you're working and the work ethic is a little different. You know what I mean? <laughs> in my opinion, because I, I did have kind of a hard time adjusting to that. Yeah, I mean, I do because in the military, ain't no sick days. Ain't no calling off. You know, you're going you're gonna to be there on time mm-hmm. and until it's over with. You know, when you get out, you people coming in late, calling off, this and that. So, you know, that also helped you because you had a, a better work ethic structure than the next right. person. Right. And, and the other thing was, I, you know, even I mean, to this day, like, I don't deal with emotions when it comes to work. Like, business is business. I don't have time for the who, you know, and we used to have these things in the military, whenever there was, a, in the army rather, whenever there was a problem, the unit would get together and they would call B-I-T-C-H sessions, right? And it's like, let's get it all out. Okay, so how are we going to solve it? What are we going to do? Because at the end of the day, we still got a mission to accomplish. So I'm glad y'all got that out, but it's time to move forward. And I still have that mentality because in my mind, it's like if we're here for uh, whatever, especially because I deal with social services and, you know, we're always doing a lot of grassroots type projects. And I feel like, you know, the uh, the mission as far as what we're doing, trying to build people it's important to me, so I don't have time for emotions, you know. Um, so those are things that I think about that I'm almost positive. I know I got that from the military. I'm almost positive. And it was a culture shock for me because people thought I was aggressive just because I was vocal. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was quite interesting. So maybe that's what that means. I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. But I do think for, for most, it makes them stronger when they do come back. Most. In my opinion, I think some. If I like, I didn't want to bore y'all with statistics today. I'm gonna do a little bit of that with the PTSD next week. But for some people, it do when you look at, and then you know, statistics are not always true. But you do have a high number of people that do for that reason, you know. And like I said, I think it's because you take advantage or you look at things as as to what it is. Because like we were talking last week. I knew what to expect when I went into the military. I didn't even think about what you said as far as being in ROTC because I was in ROTC also. 
Um, but it was just because my granddaddy told me all the stories about when he was in and just understanding that it is a lot about mind, about your mind and, you know, understanding how, you know, to be strong willed and strong minded, you know, so that things didn't get to you. And that kind of takes me to that fourth factor that improved the chances of an easy reentry. And it goes back to that story when I said I was in basic training and, the drill sergeant told me that I wasn't going to like being in the army because I was going to be asked to do things that went against my faith. But it's funny how it talks about how religiosity, um, your faith is a good factor that improves your chances. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Cause you have to be strong willed and strong minded to deal with things. And because I think depending on your upbringing, depending on the things that, um, you know, you were able to overcome even from a younger age, then you go into the military with that same mindset, and then you add faith on top of that, yeah, you're going to be okay when you get out. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I see it, because you got to believe in yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that right. And I think that you you said something key, too, which is about... The fact that you wanted your life back. You got tired of the control. And that's, you know, I, do you think that's why you are you became an entrepreneur? I think I always had, I had that in me from growing up, different things I did growing up, you know. Different little odd jobs. I always wanted to be in control of my own destiny, you know. Mm-hmm. From having paper route to raking leaves to selling candy to whatever it was to make some money, make my own money. I was doing that from a young age. So, and like I said, as we grew up, I seen prosperous business owners in my family, in my community. So I always had that. You know, I, I saw that. So that was already in me. I didn't right. see myself always punching in with somebody else for the rest of my life. It never mm-hmm. was my, my dream. Yeah, and you made a point, like you said, like, I just think, I mean, out of all of this, and even though I like to talk about beliefs and stuff, I think out of all of this, it's it's really about your foundation, and that's why it's so important that if you didn't have a good foundation, that you need to try to find one, you know what I mean, because you can't keep allowing things to control you. Hey, you know, you go from a controlling situation or or a non-structured type situation and you go into the military to this structured controlling situation. And so you go from one thing to the other. I just think everybody's experiences were different. You know, um, it is funny, like even with Micah, you know, he 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 has his own business, you know, doing what he loves to do. Like, I think a lot of us from home we had, for those, some of us, we just had that in us, I believe. I ran into another homeboy from Lou Wallace not too long ago, and he got, you know, commercial contracts and stuff. It has to be in you. But at the same time, yeah. I think one of the things that I try to get out is that you have to believe in yourself. You can't allow things around you or the things that you make decisions to get in to control your life, your destiny, who you want to be. Um, and I think that's what happened to a lot of our brothers and sisters that were in the military, to be honest with you. Because they, I think some of them just never really learned how to cope with things. 
And then because they wasn't coping before they went in, and then you still got people trying to tell you what to do, when to get up, how to get up. Um, now you would get more trauma on top of it, and there's nothing that even helps you become, you know, or 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 point you in the direction of your own identity. And now, and I think that's why I started off today with about emotions and growing pains, you know. And I, you know, it's crazy because. Um, and then shout out to Micah again because he he's got um, a new program, his karate school in Conyers. Y'all look up the website on my page and his new nonprofit. They're doing like math camps for kids so they can help pass the test. So I think you know out there, uh, I think it's Newton County Schools. So shout out to him for that. I think that is awesome. I think it's awesome what you're doing, Brandon. Um, even LaShawn, when she was here, like, we're all giving back and helping. And I think that shows a lot about our strength in when we were in, um, the things we experienced, even maybe growing up, and where we're going now. Um, so I'm going to let you go on and say a couple more words. We're getting ready to end the show. But what do you think about, you know, just perseverance. I talked about this all the time. Well, you know, I I live by that by that term, you know. <laughs> you know, um there's no uh what do I say? I can't get together uh, real quickly. Um one, I um never give up. Uh, you know, to to me when you when you fail, it's not really a failure. It just you did the wrong way. Might have to go back to the drawing board, tweak it, try it again, you know, perfect it. Or sometimes you might have to try a different angle. But from a failure, you always learn something. Right. And if you don't learn something, then something's wrong with you. Because everything should be something to help you grow. Right. You know, I tried this way. That didn't work. Okay, let me go back to the drawing board. Let me figure something out. Mm, okay. Okay. You know. And I want to say, as, as we get ready to come down, I'm sorry, because we're, getting, we're getting ready to run out of time, but you were saying some good stuff. Hopefully you come back next week to all my soldiers, my Marines, my um, uh, uh, sailors, and my, uh, who I'm missing? Somebody. Um, y'all know I love you. Make sure that y'all never give up. You know, if you have a problem, go out there and get it. I'm going to give y'all some more resources next week. And thank you, Brandon, for coming on. And we are getting ready to sign out of Life Radio. Thanks again for listening. You can achieve it. That's right. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. Thank you, guys. See y'all next week. We're going to talk about that PTSD. Thank you for making Life Radio an important part of your evening. Please join Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor, for another edition of the program next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Here's to living independently for excellence.